Well, good morning again. I uh, realized I didn't introduce myself the first time. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and just so thankful that we can gather uh, here today together. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22, so if you have your Bible, your device, whatever it may be, it'll also be on the screen. I invite you to join me there. I want to say thank you, too, uh, to those that joined us online last week. And uh, if you listened to that message, I posed a question early on, and this was the question that I posed, is that, and I framed it this way, I said, 2020 was hard with a lockdown, with social unrest, with political unrest, and we thought that was a hard year. 2021 is going to be a much better year. We quickly realized that it was going to be a very challenging year in 2021, and the year was difficult and quite possibly even more difficult uh, than the previous year. And so this is a question I posed was what if 2022 is more difficult than both of those years? And like that, my family looked at me in my living room and like, how dare you? Like I spoke something into existence. That's not even there. But I posed that question, and then I asked another question, which is more important. Is no matter what happens in 2022, what will cause us to be faithful? How can we be faithful to Jesus no matter what happens, if it's more difficult or if it is a wonderful year in 2022? And what I encourage us is that we need to move towards Jesus and we need to move toward each other. And that both Jesus and community are going to be essential for us to grow in spite of or despite of whatever it may be in 2022. And so this week, as we continue on in our community series with week number two, I want to ask another question. Um, I don't know if it's better or worse. I guess you can decide that and let me know later. Is This is the question. If you knew you were going to die this week, it's off to a great start, right? 2022 would not be a good year, right? If you knew that you were going to die this week, how would this coming week be different than the way you've thought of it just a moment ago. What would be different about this week? I think for me, there'd be three things. One, I would get the people that I love the most around me. I would have family and friends around me and try to spend as much time as possible with them. And while we're together, I would want to have really important conversations. I would think of conversations I would have with my kids and with Joanna and with friends and family, talking about important things listening really well, just treasuring that time. And I would eat really good food. Anyone with me? Yeah, yeah. I would spend all sorts of money on food. I wouldn't look for like that cheap item or that on sale item. We would buy really expensive, good food, right? Be with people, have really important conversations, and eat really good food. And as we look at Luke chapter 22, you're going to see this. Jesus does this very thing. Jesus draws his disciples around him, and they have really important conversations, and Jesus talks about really important things, and it's over a meal, over a really good meal, that they share this time together. And so I invite you again to Luke chapter 22, and we're going to read um, some sections of this passage here, starting in verse 7. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. 
Now, the Passover meal was something that would be celebrated every single year. It was a remembrance of how the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt and how the Lord set them free. And so every year there would be this gathering and this remembrance of how the death angel passed over the family's homes that had the blood of the lamb on the door. And so this night that we read here is they're gathering, not knowing Jesus' crucifixion is coming. Jesus knew it. But they were gathering for this Passover meal, thinking of what the Passover lambs were, and now they were sitting with the new Passover lamb for the forgiveness of all the sins of the world. Verse 9, where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat in the Passover, excuse me, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, this, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to him, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. And a dispute also arose among them, as to which one of them would be considered the greatest. So here Jesus is laying out what's going to happen, this remembrance, and of course a fight breaks out, right? I mean, it's like a family meal here, right? You draw a family together, it's going to be a peaceful meal, and a fight breaks out, an argument. And Jesus is like, hold on. He said, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, this is a passage that is loaded with all sorts of different angles that we could look at and things we could discuss here. But Jesus is sitting at a table with those he loves, giving them a remembrance, teaching them, pointing them toward something with those that he loved. And so the early church followed this model that Jesus and the apostles set forth, is that Jesus had a meal, they connected, they shared, and following Jesus' death, and resurrection, the early church would still have this love or agape meal as they had followed by communion, the body and the blood. So what would happen is it would be a meal, it would be around a table, it would be a joy-filled celebration, they would serve one another, and community 
would happen around that table. There'd be this connection. As they celebrate the gift and the deliverance from sin. Now, what I wanted to do this morning, and I had talked to Nick and John about this, and then I realized it's just not practical and probably be distracting, is I wanted to have piles of food on every single table. Like, this was the vision that I had, is just good food and drink, and, and everyone would be here with their wrappers going, <laughs> I thought, maybe this is not a good idea. So I want you to imagine that your table is just filled with really good food, and, uh, and you can just dream about that. But in all seriousness, is that it, it doesn't have to happen here. It can happen at home, this, this love meal, this agape feast. But it was the meal followed by the body and the blood. But they were present to one another at this meal. There's true fellowship that was happening. They loved one another like family with great affection. They gave of their time and food and selves for this mutual care. And the purpose of this meal, and what Jesus did too, is to draw those around the table together. And when you sit around a table and you're having good food and good conversation, you are connected with one another. And this oneness would lead to the remembrance of Jesus, this oneness furthered on by the oneness of Jesus. This happened for about 100 years. There's records throughout the early church that this would happen, following Jesus and the apostles' example. But one person observes this. It says, eventually abuses coupled with imperial rescripts forbidding the meals of secret societies brought about the separation of the fraternal meal, the agape or the love feast, and the Eucharist. But not everywhere and not all at once. And so when we look at what we know as the Lord's Supper or communion today, and we think back to what happened with Jesus' day, and we get this glimpse of these love feasts and these agape meals, it's like we know there's a gap that exists. We know there's something that is different. This past November, I went to a two-day retreat with uh, 10 other pastors, and uh, we represented six different states there. And we sat and we talked about many different topics. And we processed and, and shared. And one day, or one uh, session, it was just an ask anything. It was ask anything that you want to talk about and get feedback from others, and we'll discuss it. And so there's a number of conversations that were going on. And finally, or not finally, it, it grew quiet. And one pastor said, I have something. He paused. He looked around the room, all the different age groups represented and denominations. And, and he looks and he says, I hate communion. And he sat. And he looked around the room. There were jaws on the floor. He said, no, 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 I don't, I don't hate that Jesus gave us an example, and, and I don't hate the fact of what it represents. He said, what, what I hate is that it has turned into a stale cracker, a sip of grape juice, difficult packaging, only happening in the church, only in rows and lines, only individualistic, only tacked onto the end of service. It's like, that's not what it was intended to be. And everyone in the room is like, oh, yeah, 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 all right. Whew. Now, you probably are not going to say the same words that he did. But because of conversations I have heard about and because of people who have talked to me directly, I know you have these feelings too. 
And I think the last couple of years has just highlighted that as you look at the, the packaging on the table in front of you. And so today, this is, this is what I want us to consider. I want us to consider two words as we look at two verses. Because I want to tell you that what we do here today and we have done in the past is not about juice or crackers or packaging or rows or baskets or table, the tables by the doors. It's not about those things. And your longing and your discontent and your feeling of like, ah, is not about those things either. It's about something deeper. It's about a heart to heart, a spirit longing for something. And so I want to throw out two words for us to consider today and for you to wrestle with as you walk out of here and to see if it connects with you. So let's go back to Luke chapter 22. Two verses that we say every single month. You have read probably many times. You have heard many times, including already today. Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. It says, And he took bread, he being Jesus, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to him, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So the first word I want to share with you is the word, is the word participation. Participation. Jesus did something there. What did it say? It said he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Jesus invited them to something. He invited them into something. And he invites each and every one of us to something as well. See, what would happen in the the, the Greco-Roman world is there would be an invitation. And Jesus said a word, he said, he said two words, he said, do this in there. What does he mean to do this? See, it's not just a cracker or juice, it's an invitation into something. And, and what would happen in the Greco-Roman world is there would be invitations to tables that you would be invited to participate in. And the Greek gods would be those who would be honored at these tables, those who would be said to be present at those tables. And so Zeus would have a table. You would be invited to participate with Zeus and with others around that table as an act of worship. And so what Jesus is doing is Jesus is saying, I am setting forth another table, a table that is the Lord's table, that is the Lord's supper, that I, Jesus, am host. And you're doing this as an invitation with me and with others. And Paul talked about these different tables in 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 21, he says this. He said, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. So what he's saying, he's saying there are plenty of other tables that you can participate at. You can worship plenty of other people. You can be invited by plenty of other gods. But Paul's saying if you're choosing Jesus, if you're choosing to participate with Jesus, you need to be there because this table is about him, it's for him, it's, it's our centering ourselves around him. And the word participation that we talk about here is found in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, a few verses earlier than what Paul just said. Paul wrote, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? So Paul's saying, are we not participating 
with both the blood and the body of Christ? Are we not coming to a table together? And this word participation, the Greek word, is a word that you've probably heard before if you've been around the church because pastors like to talk about it. It's like one Greek word that they really know well. It's the word koinonia. Participation is translated to koinonia, which also means fellowship, which also means community. And so what Paul is saying, he says, when you come to the table, when you come where the host is Jesus, and you're participating in the blood and the body, it's fellowship with one another, and it's fellowship with God through Jesus. Participation, it's Christ-centered community. See, we become participants with God through Jesus and with others. There's something interesting, too, that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. He gives a correction of some abuses in the church when it comes to the Lord's table. And in 1 Peter, he does the same thing. But something he says is he gives directive. Before we come to the table, he says this. He says uh, that they need to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, I've mentioned this before, but I remember as a kid at Three Rivers Bible Church, sitting in the balcony, my dad was running sound, I'm holding communion, and the pastor's saying this verse, and I'm like, if I drink this and I haven't confessed sin, I'm going to die. Like, I was terrified as a little kid because of this verse. What Paul is saying here, he's saying there is a seriousness to the Lord's table. There's a seriousness of coming together before God and before others. And that we need to do it with great humility and great confession. Jesus taught us this in Matthew 5. He said, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. And Jesus was so serious about this reconciliation and forgiveness that he said, I don't want your worship. Go make things right. Then come and worship me. And what Paul is communicating is like, make sure things are good, make sure things are right before God and before others before you come and receive this communal, participatory meal. And anytime we're part of a community, there's koinonia, there's participation, there's frustration, there's sin against each other. We say things and do things or we forget something and offend someone. There is always this breakdown that happens in community, whether it's church or family or neighborhood or city, whatever it may be. And so what Paul's saying and what Jesus is directing us is that we, we need to be right before God and each other. Because today you sit at tables Normally, when we receive the Lord's Supper, there's rows, right? And you're looking at the back of other people's heads, and you're probably only looking at me in the face. But now you sit at tables, or you sit around and near people, and you look at them. And when you're at a table, and you receive the Lord's Supper, proclaiming the freedom that Jesus gave you, and that you're receiving that forgiveness of sin and that blessing, and you look across the table and you're like, I won't forgive you. You hurt me. It's harder when you're looking at that person in the face. There's a power in the table. There's a power in participation at a table. And so when we come to tables, when we gather together, it is important for us to be right before God and right before others.
This is so important as followers of Jesus. So when he says, do this, it's life around this table. It's Jesus at the center as, as the host. It is submitting to him and it's Lord over all of our, my life and your life. And so we participate with God and others at the table. And the second word I want to give you is this. It's the word presence. So we participate and there's presence. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Communion is far more than a memorial. See, memorials are sad and somber. And for as much as we want to have a celebration of life for the person who has died that we memorialize, it is heartbreaking. And often what we do is when we come to the Lord's table, when we come for communion, we treat it only as a memorial. Yes, communion is the proclamation of the Lord's death until he comes. But as Jesus said, it is the new covenant in his blood. When he says that it's the new saving covenant, it's what the entire Old Testament has been pointing toward. It is from sin to salvation. It is from death to life. It is from Passover to the Lord's Supper. It's from the Red Sea and the Exodus to the cross and the Savior. It is the presence of God through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus said, in remembrance of me, yes, it is his death, but it is also his birth, his life, his teaching, his return, resurrection. He's saying, remember me. Not just who was and who did something, but who is. And communion is mysterious in many different ways. Is that not only is it this remember me for the whole of Jesus, but it is, it's timeless. Not in the sense of it happened and it continues on, but rather it holds the present and the past and the future all in one moment. Check this out. From 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, it says this. For whenever, it's going to be today, because you've got the elements in front of you. Whenever, today, you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, the past, the cross, until he comes, the future. And I love how N.T. Wright, he said it this way. He said, the present moment somehow holds together the one-off past event and the great future when God's world would be remade under Jesus' loving rule. Past and future come rushing together into the present, pouring an ocean of meaning into the little bottle of now. Now holds the crucifixion, and it holds the return and reign. This timeless, the presence of God is real and raw. Jesus, we just walked through the season of Christmas where he was known as Emmanuel, God with us, right? We celebrate God coming in human form. But Jesus continued this idea of presence. In Matthew 18, verse 20, he says, where two or three gather in my name, how many are gathered in Jesus' name today? Uh, hopefully two or three more. Okay, good. We, whew, we just went over that like five mark with the hands. Okay. So this counts. It says, for where two or three gather in his name, there I am with them. Jesus is here, is present. Matthew 28, 20. 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, Jesus said. So in this remembrance of him, there's presence with the elements, with Jesus as host, and with others at our table. See, this commitment to the table, this commitment to community, this commitment to communion, it trains and shapes us to be present with God and present with each other. If you're sitting at a table or, or if you're sitting at a, a, a row, you can look down the row. I want you to look across the table and to look into the other's eyes. Look into them. Do it now. Not too deep. That gets really weird and awkward. <laughs> Just like look, like look into their eyes but not into their eyes. Did you do it? Those people that you looked at are human beings. It's true, they're human beings. Those people are someone, a person is someone that God dearly loves. That person, those people that you looked into their eyes, is they're made in the image of God. That person, those people, are the ones that Jesus went to the cross for. And there is inherent value in each and every person. And community is essential to communion. And communion is essential to community. Can't have one without the other. See, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. But it's not us alone, me alone. We're invited by Jesus himself to participate. And by proximity, we are present with Jesus and we're present with one another. See, communion is far greater than a sip of grape juice, than some bread, than packaging, than baskets, than whatever it may be. It's about participation and it's about presence. And our longing in our heart are about those two things. It's to be with Jesus, to be with others, to know God intimately. And so what we're going to do with our remaining time is we are going to receive the elements. And we're going to do it slowly, and I'm going to walk you through this. The first thing we're going to do is, as Paul taught us, is we're going to examine ourselves. okay? So at your table, uh, actually, don't even worry about your table right now. Um, I want you just to take a minute or two and examine yourself. To think of things said, things done, attitudes, actions, whatever it may be, and confess those before God. And maybe there's someone sitting at your table or in your row that you need to apologize for, or to, not apologize for. That's a totally different message. So. Wow. Uh, God has a sense of humor a little bit. Um, they need to apologize to, you need to go to that person. Um, or maybe after this, you need to um, confess something, whatever that may be, uh, to someone. But would you take a moment and just examine your heart, uh, and, uh, and then I'll take us into our next step. So just examine yourself and confess.
Father God, thank you for hearing our prayers and our confession. Lord, for the forgiveness you offer to us on the cross and the forgiveness you give to us on a daily basis. Lord, I also want to give thanks, uh, Lord, for um, those who will go to others after the service, like the individual after first service who said, I'm going to this person and this is what I'm confessing. And so, Father, I pray that you continue to do a work in us and through us, Lord, as we continue to center ourselves on you. Lord, may you be honored as we walk through this. pray this in your name. Amen. Now, on your table, um, you can take one of the, the options there. There's the traditional sealed one we've been using, and there's also a, a two-cup there. The bread is on the bottom cup, if you lift the top cup off. Go ahead and take one of those. And I invite you to take the bread. And I'm sorry, people in the rows, there's, you're going to have to take it off the tables, or there's some um, uh, serving trays by you if you've not got it yet. So everyone, take the bread and hold it in your hand. Come down here. So as we hold the bread, this represents the, the broken body of Jesus Christ. And what scripture says is that uh, Jesus took the bread and he uh, broke it and he gave thanks. And so as we hold the bread, what I'm going to ask you to do uh, at your table or in your row, you can just turn or look at someone, is I'm going to ask you to share something that you're thankful for, that you want to give God thanks for. What is it that you're giving God praise? And this is brief, not long stories, just brief around your table um, that you would go around and you would give God thanks as you hold this element. So take a minute, give thanks at your table. And you can pass if you don't want to share. We'll respect that. Jesus said these words. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take a knee? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite you to take the juice and hold the juice. And as you have the juice before you, that you would remember Jesus, his shed blood. And that you would once again go around your table. You can pass if you so choose. But you would finish this statement. Is Jesus is 
whatever it is, some sort of attribute, some sort of characteristic, whatever it may be, that we would give praise to Jesus for who he is. So Jesus is. So once again, go around your table. If you're in the rows, just turn and look at someone. Jesus shared these words with his disciples. I love the joyous occasion. Jesus said these words. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Before Jesus died, he gathered those he loved He said really important things and had important conversations, and he had really good food. Communion should drive us to community, and community should drive us to communion. As we follow Jesus this year, as we have the mindset of Christ, as we move towards that with our words and our actions and our attitudes, we can't do this alone. We need each other. There is a vibrancy around the table and with each other that there's not normally in rows. There's an important connection when we can look each other in the eye. And I already had the question of, are we doing this again next week? And as I've thought about that, the answer is it doesn't matter. Because you should take this with you into your homes and your communities and those you gather with. These things are important. We take out of here. And this is a foretaste. The Lord's Supper is a foretaste of a great feast yet to come. Many of the prophets and Jesus spoke of a great feast, a great banquet. And I want to read the words of one being Isaiah. In Isaiah 25, this is what he wrote. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. There's a longing in our heart. And this is a foretaste. This is a a hint. And when you gather with others around Jesus at the table as the host, it's transforming. So my encouragement once again to you is that you do two things, is you would move closer to Jesus this year and that you would move closer to each other. This can look many different ways. It's an engagement with the word and prayer with others. Maybe it's being involved in a community as we've been talking about the rooted communities or 
a community into the future that we're going to have. Or maybe for you, it's just saying, I'm, I'm going to be here more often. Maybe I'm just going to come one more week every month. Or I'm going to connect with some other group. I'm going to move towards Jesus, and I'm going to move toward other people. It's my prayer for our church, that we would grow in depth this year. That we would have the mindset of Christ, that our thoughts and our words and our actions would reflect Jesus. And so in just a few moments, we're going to have Nick or John come and share announcements. But what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask one person at each table, and then just the rows that you clump up somehow, one person at each table would pray some sort of prayer of blessing, a prayer of sending, whatever it may be, over those that are gathered at your table or in your row. And then once uh, we notice that the, uh, the prayers have quieted, uh, we'll share some announcements, and then we'll be on our way. So would you take a moment at your tables and your rows, uh, one person, uh, pray over the group. Amen.